0: Hello, my sweet little fiends! I'm Gnome, and you're listening to the Gnome Chapters, a podcast in which I write all the stories, hopefully with some of your input, read all the stories to you, and get a little better at it with each episode. I'm learning how to manipulate my sound equipment and software, and this is actually my first time working with all of it. So I thank you for all of your patience while we take this journey together. As for that input, There is none for this chapter, sadly, but that's fine. After the next chapter, because I already wrote it, that's why, I'll be presenting a new chapter one for your listening pleasure, and when I get the inspiration back for this story, I'll just hop back on it. I already have something in mind for the next chapter one, and I hope you'll enjoy what I've got. Remember, if you'd like to suggest something for the next chapter, you can always email me at hello.im.gnome at gmail.com, all lowercase, no apostrophe. The email address will be in the description with all of the accreditations and content warnings for this episode. Lastly, but not leastly, this chapter does contain content warnings, as there are implications of sexual assault, physical assault, and depictions of physical assault listener discretion is advised and also note that this chapter is nsfw and not intended for minors with that please grab your cup of tea or your next load of work and enjoy chapter four beginning to unravel Birdie lay awake in his small bed. Past events came back at him in stunning realism as he tried and failed to sleep. Eventually, he just gave up and stared at the ceiling. Groaning, he tried to smother himself with his pillow. What does anine mean again? he had asked, somewhat coyly, as he rested his hand on the knob of the door. Little bird, Day had replied. The voice from his memory was rich and amber, like the good alcohol Bertie had stolen from a caravan of monks that one time. He sighed, remembering the sound and remembering how calming and measured the voice was when it spoke. His date with Aglin, though lately started, had ended on a sweet harmony as the two licked, touched, and teased away the intrusive thoughts that were burning holes in Bertie's attention span. But after, as the two lay heaving in the aftermath of their ruckus, Bertie still had thoughts. And they were still just as intrusive. As satisfied as he had been, Aglin was very talented as both a top and a bottom. He couldn't keep his mind on his date just then. Now, as he lay in his bed, he still couldn't think of the date without fantasizing about his host from the tavern, and how he just wished to be held down at this moment pinned to a wall rough and hard against his back i'll be sure to fly back here more often he had said then with a sort of debonair confidence that should only exist in books and the feeling was dead he pushed his pillow back onto his face why did i say that he whined through the fabric and fluff How could he say something that… embarrassing? How could he say it with a straight face and mean it? He was used to being a jackass for kicks, but this was a whole new low for him. It made him realize that most of his conversations weren't conversations. They were just a continuous series of bad pickup lines. As much as Bertie had thought about the big barkeep in the night since his visit, in that moment he hadn't been trying to get into Day's bed. He had just been trying to be friendly and clever and to say things that friendly and clever people say. Now, as he thought back, he cringed at himself and groaned, rolling over and getting up out of his bed. He went over to the window. The glass was cold as he touched his forehead to it, hoping to clear his head with the chill. Instead, as he gazed through the frost and into the dim, snowy beyond... He still just felt horny and a little put out. He heaved a sigh. Hey gods, I am terrible, he murmured, and donned his warm clothing, leaving his apartment in silence. Bertie bustled in through the door, covered in snow from the chest down, and stood himself in front of the gigantic hearth to melt. He had come to the kitchens, knowing Aglin would be awake at this hour, just as they always were, to begin baking bread for the day. You're not very inconspicuous, you know that? Aglin slid up behind him, wrapping their arms around Bertie's chilled waist. Can't sleep? Nope, Bertie replied, snuggling into their chest. By the way, he continued, who's the halfwit that designed this castle? They couldn't attach the kitchens? Eglin laughed, settling their chin on top of Bertie's head. Bertie smiled at the feel of warmth against his face. Nobody knows. It's ancient, probably been here longer than the gods. Bertie pulled away a little to shoot them a side eye. And no one has thought to renovate since then? he asked. I mean, Eglin paused. They have, just not to attach the kitchens, I suppose. Maybe you could suggest it? "'You've got the king's ear, after all.' <laughs> "'I suppose,' he shrugged and snuggled back into Aglin's chest. "'But the prince is due in a week, and I'm not allowed to just pop by King Harbit's quarters more since the last time,' said Bertie with a small, prideful smirk. It was Aglin's turn to pull away this time, with incredulity plastered all across their features. "'What?' Bertie asked. "'I am almost afraid to inquire,' Aglin replied. It was just a puppet show, Bertie said. He pulled Aglin and all of their warmth closer to him, nuzzling his head right beneath their chin. Aglin resumed their hold on Bertie, trapping him securely in their arms and gently swaying them back and forth. I didn't know you knew puppetry, they said. Bertie chuckled. (laughs) Neither did I until I pulled out my wee wormy. Aglin smacked Bertie on the tush to signal their disapproval, and Bertie laughed outright, saying, Hey, that's still drying out. No wonder his majesty hates you, Aglin said. Harbeth loves me, Aglin. Otherwise, he wouldn't be letting me handle his brother for a month. That's what you think. You need to watch yourself around him, Bertie. You need to be the purest vision of propriety and good behavior while he's here. You understand that? Bertie pulled away again, this time looking puzzled. What does that mean? he asked. He was unsure if he ought to be offended at the ominous warning. That means no puppetry, Bertie. Eglin pulled himself completely away from Bertie this time, holding him at arm's length to look him in the eye. And no drinking. The man is downright dangerous when he gets into one of his moods. As much as you can, just try to stay away, okay? Bertie nodded, still confused. Could the prince really be that bad? There was nothing less terrifying, Bertie found, than the prince. If Luthbert was a color, he surmised it would be a light beige. Jokes were not laughed at, nor were they taken with any sort of amusement. Juggling and acrobatic tricks, which Bertie had been practicing regularly since the beginning of his employment with King Harbeth, were surveyed with a dead, fish-like eye, and dismissed as quickly as an annoying fly. His first day with the second son was long, tiring, and boring, and after luncheon, Bertie was informed that jokes and juggling would not be tolerated. He sighed, rolling his eyes at the surly servant who had pulled Bertie aside after an admittedly tasteless poem. "'I am a jester, my dear fuddy-duddy,' Bertie had replied. He raked a hand through his hair and used the other hand to gesticulate with. If I may not jest, then what am I to do with my time this month? My King Harbeth expects me to entertain his brother, not put him to bed. In fact, I remember being strictly forbidden from the latter. Bertie ended with a huff and then stood, now just as surly as the servant. His arms crossed and his hip popped. The servant's grouchy composure was not compromised. Instead, he replied evenly, You may serve my prince's meals. You shall be his personal attendant for the month. If you can handle that without incident, you shall not be punished. Bertie's ears twitched and his lips began to curl. Punishment, huh? That sounds like fun. The servant glowered and turned to retreat into the prince's quarters. No one stays as cheeky as you for long, boy, he said quietly. Before he had completely shut the door, he added, Go, gather my prince's dinner and have it here by sunset. You will wait until he is finished, and then you will clean up the table quietly. You may consider your day done after that. Then the door shut firmly. Bertie raised his eyebrows. Of course, he said to no one. My darling thuddy duddy forthwith and post-haste. It wasn't until the next day that Bertie saw what the others saw. Never had his ears rung so loudly. Never had he felt so small and humiliated. Never had he felt so fragile. Not for a long time, at least. It had just been a joke. It hadn't even been a joke, more of a pithy observation. You're late, the prince had growled. He supposed he had been. By the time he had arrived at the prince's quarters, someone else had gotten his bland, boring breakfast and served it. The prince was mostly finished with it when the morning just went wrong. Aren't we in a bad mood today, sire? Bertie had replied. It wasn't a lie. But it wasn't appreciated either, and Bertie had been indeed punished for it. He had fallen asleep that night curled tightly around his pillow, hiding under his blanket and pretending he didn't exist. Queen Leslie and Bertie had not begun their relationship under the best of circumstances. Anyone would be rightly indignant at finding a stray human curled up in front of their hearth, after all. Drunk as she had been, she still remembered her own ear-splitting shriek, and her horror as her unclothed foot accidentally stepped on an unexpected hand instead of warm stone. However, as Leslie watched the young man skirt down the hallway that day, with a dark bruise on his jawline and a skittishness that was not usually observable within his confident character, she decided that following him, while creepy and unadvisable, would gain her the most insight into this radical change in personalities. She ducked into her rooms quickly, and, borrowing her husband's tattered hunting cloak, she dashed back down the hallway from which she'd come, trying desperately to catch up again. As the gods of fate would have it, Queen Leslie Ravestri Thentropton Marigold Frilnar, who was glorious in name, brains, and beauty all, was strikingly clumsy. The snowy road down which her stocking of Bertie had led her was not at all easy to traverse in her silk slip-ons and floor-length business gown. By the fourth trip over the hem of the blasted dress, she had found herself with her face smooshed into the snow and her arse in the air, her body having no place to go except to simply crumple in on itself within the velvety confines of the frock as her foot had stalled the edge of it. Gracelessly, she detangled herself and lifted herself onto her hands and knees. <laughs> my queen, said an amused voice. She looked up to see a hand stuck out in front of her, waiting to be taken. She obliged. Bertie, my dear, what a surprise to see you out and about in this, uh... She swept her arm out, gesturing to the bland snowscape, hoping her fake confidence was convincing. Uh, Aria, what brings you out on such a chilly evening? Bertie smiled at her and treated her to a chuckle. I was just off to find a pint, he said, jutting a thumb over his shoulder to indicate the far-off lights of a small village. And you? Me, Queen Leslie asked. She had not anticipated being caught and so had not anticipated needing any sort of cover story. "'I, too, enjoy pints of various sorts and sizes,' she said." Bertie laughed a little and shivered, clutching his cloak around him as a harsh wind blew around the both of them. "'It's cold. We should get going, my queen,' Bertie said, and held his elbow out for Queen Leslie." She wound her arm through his, and the two huddled together against the cold the rest of the way to the tavern. This was not what Bertie had been expecting. When he had first heard the queen's surprised little oop, as he fled down the hallways of the dark castle, he had suspected something was afoot. When he heard the queen trip, fall, and cuss repeatedly behind him, he knew what... God's be she is noisy,' he had muttered under his breath. He sighed as he rounded a corner in the road and heard the queen trip and fall again. He waited a bit. He needed to hear Queen Leslie cuss before he would move on, leaving her to dust snow from her dress and tromp after him again. When he didn't hear her cuss, he decided to check on her. As he re-rounded the corner, He was absolutely amused to see the queen herself ass up and face down in the snow, tangled in her own dress. "'My queen?' he said as she righted herself. She hadn't been expected, but with her graceless lies and her lovely warmth at his side to keep the bite of the wind at bay, she was welcome, Bertie found. She chattered at him nonsensically, something about all the various types of pints she enjoyed. And he sank into it, grateful for it. "'Do you want to be recognized, my queen, or do you wish to remain anonymous?' he asked as they approached the brightly lit building. "'I suppose anonymity might be best, don't you?' she replied, pulling her hood up over her head. "'There is a cult about, you know.' Bertie chuckled. (laughs) "'So I've heard. "'All right if I call you Leslie, then?' he asked. "'I suppose.' she shrugged. Bertie opened the door then and ushered her in on his arm. It was nice not having to be alone with his thoughts while he drank. Queen Leslie seemed to be enjoying herself immensely, and as she talked and sang loudly with him, soon enough her cover was blown, but she was far too gone to care anyway. Bertie laughed at her as she laughed herself out of her chair, and when she began a round of singing, He goaded others to join in. After a while, when the ale had dried up and she was muttering quietly into a frothy head of her last beer, Bertie decided that it was time to get back. There was a small issue, however. Queen Leslie, you need to get up. He tried rousing her gently, but it did nothing. She sagged against him, groaning and lolling her head onto his shoulder. "'I don't want to meet the Tudor, Mother. He smells like a duck.' "'Oh? How do you know how ducks smell?' Bertie asked and tried again to stand her up, but Queen Leslie was not having it. "'Because ducks are foul,' she replied and giggled. <laughs> "'Get it? Foul?' <laughs> "'Ah, yes, I do. That was a good one, my Queen,' he said and sighed. All right, Queenie, you sit here for a moment. If you're going to be a noodle, we'll have to think of something else. Bertie went to the bar where Day was wiping down tankards and plates, thankful that it was late enough in the evening for the bar to have already left. It was quiet. Little bird, you flew back, did you? Day said in greeting, and Bertie grinned. I told you I would, Day. You got any rooms back there for rent? Queen Leslie's drunk off her gourd. Bertie rested his elbows on the bar with his chin in one of his hands. Aye, two of them. We'll get you set up, shall we? Day replied and put his own elbow on the bar, bringing his face close to Bertie's. Softly, he gripped Bertie's chin and examined the finger-shaped marks on his jaw. And in return, you'll tell me how you've come by so many bruises. Bertie pulled away and scowled. There's nothing to tell, he huffed. In an instant, his mood had soured. He turned back to check on the queen, who was snoozing comfortably with her cheek resting on top of the tankard. Is that why you're so defensive about it, then? Day prodded and crossed his arms. There's nothing to be defensive about either, Day. Nothing happened. Bertie could hear his voice rising, so he stopped himself short and heaved a breath. He looked down at his feet for a moment. Day said nothing, but Bertie could feel his eyes on the bruise. It was a little bit of silence as Bertie composed himself. Gods, it had only been a week with the prince. Bertie didn't know how much more he could take. He swallowed hard when he heard Day clear his throat, and he looked up meekly. He found he wasn't being looked at anymore. They had left Bertie in his silence to wipe down some cups and plates from a sudsy basin. I'm gonna go help the queen to bed, Bertie said, and left the bar to go to Leslie, who was snoring now in a puddle of spilled beer, her long, bushy white hair soaking up the sticky mess handily. He was happy for the distraction she was providing. We'll have to rinse your hair before bed so you don't stick to the pillow. He chuckled and tried his hardest to rouse the queen again, but she still wasn't having it. She just groaned and hugged the tabletop when Bertie tried to pull her from her chair. She mumbled, this is my castle now. (laughs) My queen, it isn't polite to move into other people's hard-earned tables without their permission. Bertie said gently and tried to hoist his queen away from the bench. I'm afraid... We're only renting it for the evening. He grunted with effort, but was ultimately unsuccessful. Queen Leslie was stronger than he was. Oh, Bertie said softly. I can wrangle the queen, Day. You don't... I've got her, Bertie, Day said as he lifted the queen in his arms. You can go sit down. Bertie couldn't see Day's face as he said that. He had already turned with the queen in his arms to walk back to where the stairs were. Normally, Bertie would have been grateful, happy to have the help when he clearly couldn't get the drunk queen to her bed without possibly injuring her. Tonight, he felt like he had done something wrong, and that sharp, deep, twisting ache in his chest built so that he felt like he couldn't breathe. He wanted to leave. He wanted to cleaned something to lessen the anxiety he was feeling. He wanted to prove he could be useful, but he couldn't. He had been told to sit, and he felt powerless to do anything otherwise. You fiends, you've reached the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. Sounds in this episode come from DMJ, Crossing 6-7, and GIS Sweden, all of which can be found on Freesound. Otherwise, not too much news to report here. Thank you so much for listening to my chapter. And if you'd like to support my Patreon, the link can be found down in the description have a great rest of your day uh or night thing have a great rest of your thing and i'll see you in the next chapter bye bye I get my voice deeper without sounding like I'm on a fucking vibrator thing. Ooh. Whoops. I didn't mean it like that. I didn't mean it like that. Fuck. Usually just making up my own fucking words, just like Edgar Allan Poe. Inginnant. I'm only four pages in, dude. Give me a fucking break. Mm. Oh, I keep forgetting that's terrible. Oh. <coughs> uh, four out of ten. Wouldn't recommend burping that way again. <sighs> she looked up to see a hand stuck out in front of her, waiting, a- waiting out to be taken out. Because hands need dates, too. And if you neglect your hand, it's not going to work as well when you try to mm-mm with it. She swept her arm out, gesturing to the bland snowscape, Snowy. snowscape. cape. Nosed. Why am I like this? We'll just leave it at that, shall we? The and.